0: And welcome to Unknowable, the podcast where we talk about all things mysterious, unusual, or unknowable. I'm Justine.
1: And I'm Gray. This week, we both have a aquatic cryptid from the state of Maine. Nice. That's way better than just water cryptid, which is what I was calling it. Aquatic cryptid, which is a very specific, like, genre of cryptid.
0: That Um. somehow we've never done up until now.
1: Yeah, I guess, I mean, part of me... I don't know, I like, you know, the classic, like Loch Ness Monster or whatever, always to me just seemed too uh, too mainstream for me. Mm. And so I was always driven towards the more underground or like weird esoteric cryptids, like, for example, Mothman. Mothman. Um, So, but I I was really fascinated because, you know, state of Maine has so many lakes, rivers, streams. There's so many aquatic cryptids in the state of Maine. That we could have chosen like one out of a hundred, you know?
0: Oh, yeah. And cryptids in general in Maine, actually. So we, yeah, we came up with this theme initially. I think we were going to pick just one cryptid. Then somehow we turned it into Maine themed. Yeah. And then we were just Maine cryptids. But then, yeah, you picked a water cryptid. And then I was like, well, when I started looking, I found one of my own. And I was like, well, that's actually going to be kind of cool. Right. Because we've never done a Maine. This is our first Maine episode together. Right. Which is crazy, too, that we haven't done that yet. Which is crazy. No, we've had two of my shitty solo episodes. They weren't shitty. If anybody listened and liked those, I appreciate it. But they were bad. They were good. (laughs) It's, you know, it's just one of those, to me, these types of topics need, you need like a second person to bounce stuff off of. Like people talk all the time about not to like honk our own horn, (laughs) toot our own horn. Whoa. Wow. But, you know, people often talk about the dynamic between us and the back and forth And all that stuff. So me doing it alone, I just felt like, oh. That is the magic of unknowable. It's both of us. It is. Both of us. And people really like your soothing voice. I guess so. Yeah. You've had, we've talked about this before. There's multiple people. Not recently. It hasn't happened too recently, but there was a while there where you had multiple people asking if you could read them bedtime stories.
1: I'm open. If you want to kick some money my way on Venmo, I will read whatever bedtime story you want.
0: Whoa, dude. What is your Venmo?
1: What is my Venmo? Is it just like, is it
0: just Gray Terrell? I probably just Gray Terrell. Okay. No space. Yeah. Yeah. Find Gray on Venmo. Send, send him some some money. Ten dollars in will, the name of a story. There you go. Yeah. Ten bucks, name of a story. Gray will read you whatever you like. He will make you a recording. Send it over Dropbox it to you. Whatever. That'd be wild. I'll read your uh, if you want if you if you've written a novel and you want me to read the
1: audiobook of it. I'm Whoa. available. I got time. Dude. You could make a
0: real living doing that. I would honestly actually kind of love it. Yeah. That would be amazing. Hmm. Interesting. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Your new career aside. Yes. Um. So, yeah. We got water cryptids and gray is going to go first. All right. So, in the great state of Maine, there is a lake called Poco
1: Moonshine Lake, which is just such a weird Maine town name. Um,
0: yeah. It's such a Maine name.
1: It's in uh Washington County, Maine. Um okay. it's basically if you look at a map, um it's like a little bit west of Eastport, Maine. Mm. Um it's basically like right like if you look at the state of Maine just like like the outline and kind of to the right there's like a almost like a 90 degree angle where it turns back up and goes towards northern Maine. It's like kind of right in the corner there. okay, um, almost in Canada. Um Pretty big lake. It is um twenty five hundred acres, has a, a perimeter of thirty two miles. It's shaped kind of like a horseshoe, which is interesting. Um that is interesting. there's a few different like um uh what are they called? What's the word I'm looking for? Um Islands, Jesus. There's a few islands <laughs> in the middle of the yes. lake. Um it's uh I've never heard of it before this, but there is said no. to be a lake monster in Poco Moonshine Lake. So, this all kind of goes back to one sort of, like, proto sighting um, Back in the 1800s, it was um, in the March 21st, 1882 issue of the Machias Union, which Whoa. Machias is a town in the state of Maine? Sure. I should be more clear didn't. on this. Anything north of, like, Bangor, I just assume is, like, legendary. I've never actually been there. I don't actually know it <laughs> exists. I just hear tell.
0: That's kind of true. I've been up to, so anybody listening is going to have no idea what we're talking about unless you live in Maine or you have like been to Maine and not just to Portland. But I think I've been up to like Millinocket and we've both been up to Eastport.
1: Yeah. So Eastport is the farthest north I've been and also the farthest east I've been, ironically.
0: Yeah. Well, it is the furthest east True. place you can go in the U.S. So it's crazy. We were the first yeah. to see the, the sunrise that one day. That's true. That was first awesome. First ones
1: in the whole United States. It was amazing. It's a crazy story.
0: Yeah, it was cool.
1: Um, So anyways, so March 21st, 1882, um, a man named Sewell S. Quimby, which is a great name, um, of... Also a very main name. Very main name, Sewell, um, of Wellesley, Wesley? I think it's Wellesley. I think I've heard it pronounced. Anyways, so this is his, um, this is uh, a quote from his whole article he wrote. Um, In this article, I have to, you know, I kind of cherry picked this quote that makes it seem real. He does kind of cast a mm. lot of doubt on this sighting because he's kind of reporting it secondhand. So mm. he seems skeptical about it, but the the details of it do seem credible to him on some level. So quote Just a little later I heard another person say with the same Vim, they had seen a man that saw the man that said he saw the great snake. Hall and Libby were on the shore of Chain Lake. They heard a noise, which by the way, Chain Lake is um Pokemon Moonshine Lake. Anyway, okay. So they heard a noise and saw what they took to be a man at a skiff, but soon became convinced it was a serpent. Its smallest part was as large as a pork barrel. He says when last seen in the outlet, it had left the water and passed a distant point of land covered with granite boulders. Quimby continues, In January, one Honeywell of Alexander came to our camp with a big story that he had seen the trail of the huge creature. Four feet wide, three feet deep, and a quarter mile long. Logs had been turned out on the track, and he had torn things up awfully. Mr. H was also very much excited. Whoa. So. Well. Sewell Quimby is essentially stating that he heard from a man that had seen a man said he saw the great snake. So that's what, third hand, fourth hand? Yeah. Um, in this story, he claims like, oh, there's not even granite boulders on that side of the lake. But, the, you know, like the particulars of that kind of thing, it was the 1800s. Everybody was drunk as a matter of course. So maybe <laughs> he thought it was granite and it wasn't. Um, right. The important part here is that he saw a giant serpent in Lake Pokemoonshine.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: it w- its smallest part was as large as a pork barrel. Um, On a separate occasion, someone had seen... A, a trail leading out of the water. So that's another interesting sort of detail about this, this cryptid is that not only is it a sea serpent, but it also can get out of the water and sort of like wriggle along the ground and leaves a trail behind it. Oh, interesting. And this trail is four feet wide, three feet deep, and a quarter mile long. So Jesus, this is apparently a real thing for eels. Like eels can kind mm-hmm. of, if there's two bodies of water or are in one body of water and they want to get to another one, they can kind of wriggle across the land to get to the other one. Whoa. So it could potentially just be like a giant eel that is living in this lake.
0: Hmm. Um Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. I don't know much about eels, but I was just, for some reason, that made me think, okay, I think you know that I love the show Naked and Afraid. Yes. Yep. <laughs> because apparently I like to watch shows that don't relate at all to my life because I would never do anything like that. Oh, God, no. But there was an episode where they killed an eel. They, like... A bunch of them got together. Oh, It must have been... There, so there's Naked and Afraid and there's, like, Naked and Afraid XL, which is, like, they take some past people who were on Naked and Afraid and they were, like, all in teams, like, in different areas of the same, like, broad area. And so... They were in small groups anyways, and then they could like join up if they found each other. And yeah, a group of them like killed a giant eel. And I had no idea that eels could get so big. This thing was fucking big.
1: Was it like the size of a person?
0: No, it was probably like maybe a foot like twelve inches in diameter or whatever. But that was still way bigger than I thought. I was like picturing eels being more and I mean I guess snakes can be all kinds of sizes too, but I was picturing like more of a typical snake sized thing. Like a small. But it was like this yeah, it was this huge thing. Hmm. So it's eels weird. are crazy. Yeah. I, I did not
1: know they could travel on land. It's kind of disturbing. I can't even imagine seeing a four foot wide serpent slithering across the ground. I do not want to be there for that. I do not want to see that. No, no. Um, so yeah, there's been since then. There's been sort of various sightings of it, um, kind of similar to like Nessie, where they'll just be kind of seeing um, little like almost like humps in the water where you can mm-hmm. think of like a um, like a snake kind of like swimming, kind of like doing the worm through the water kind of. So <laughs> different parts of its back will be sticking out of the water at different points. Um, and they're supposed to be varying in length from between 30 feet to 60 feet long, the thing Jesus. that's been seen, which is insane as well. So yeah, so yeah. between 30 and 60 feet long and four feet wide. Um, Ugh. there's apparently been several reports of those, those trails coming out of the water and like seeing like a four foot wide trail that something has sort of like slithered along, um, Jesus. often evident in the marshes by the river between Poco and Crawford Lake. So it's almost like they're going between the two different lakes. Interesting. And I, I say, I say them because I don't know a, what gender they would be. I'm also not clear there. I know that there are some like eels that are like Hermaphrodites, they're both genders simultaneously. No, no and way. I, I I I think. Hmm. My disclaimer for this episode is that I am not a marine biologist. I don't know that much about eels.
0: <laughs> no way. No. Not um, for sure. I mean, you are wearing one of those cool hats right now. You like almost look like you could be um Steve in Wilson? like a fucking Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> so, yeah. Um Yeah, like four feet wide is fucking really big. Yeah. That's like just, just like, almost like a person, it's height. Yeah, but wide. But wide. Like I initially was like, oh wow, you could like ride that thing like a horse. <laughs> and I was like, wait, maybe you not. Probably technically
1: good, but I don't know why you would want to.
0: I be mean, all, like slimy. Yeah, be kind of cool. Yeah, you might not like.
1: Uh... I'm picturing it like the texture of an eel. Like they haven't. Nobody's like described it in that much detail because I don't think they see that much detail. So hmm. I, I don't. I, I don't know if it's like a slimy thing, like an eel, or if it's like a giant eel, or if it's more snake-like and has like dry skin. Not like dry skin, hmm. but
0: like right. not like scaly. Yeah, I, it's huh. it's weird. So, do we know for sure that eels are slimy? Because I remember being very surprised by the texture of um, stingrays. Not the same, but something right. else I thought would be slimy. Yes, yeah, and then
1: are like, like almost like sandpaper.
0: Yeah, they like it felt really interesting. I was at, uh, I think, the aquarium in Atlanta. Mm. I went with my friend Courtney, and we got to touch some stingrays, which was awesome. I've pet a
1: stingray. They kind of, like, arch their back like a cat does when you run your hand yeah. down their back. It's super bizarre.
0: It's really... The whole thing was really weird, and I felt really weird doing it, but I remember very distinctly being like, wow, that's not what I thought you were going to feel like. Right.
1: I know that hmm. eels produce slime as a defense mechanism. Oh, So I've okay. seen people try to pick up an eel, and it, like secretes like a really fast secretes this like gross slime so then it's like their hand is just like covered in snot. Oh so I don't know if they're constantly slimy or if it's more of just like a like how a skunk sprays it'll just like produce the slime real quick.
0: Hmm, interesting. It's weird and gross. Well, learning so many things. Right.
1: So <laughs> there is a um Native American legend that also supports the existence of the Pokemon Shine Lake Monster. Um, of course. So The Native American tribes that like lived in and around the area of Maine that we're talking about were the Algonquins and the Mi'kmaq. So apparently there was a fight between an Algonquin shaman and a Mi'kmaq chieftain that turned into a supernatural battle where the two transformed into a giant snake and a monstrous serpent, which is not different, if you think about it, but right. it's said to be different, which I don't understand the difference between a snake and a serpent.
0: Yeah, I, Maybe one's
1: aquatic and one is land-based?
0: Right, yeah. As a serpent, you know, I really don't know that now. Dang.
1: You have to look it up as always. As something always. else I
0: should have looked up, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, that sounds like the, a different way to say the same thing. <laughs> right. Um,
1: And so, after the, the giant fight, the Algonquin Shaman won, the Micmac Chieftain was killed, and Tied to a tree near the lake. Wow, which is weird. I don't know. There's, I think, there's a lot being left out of that story. But yeah, the idea being that this monster, this lake monster, is of a Native American supernatural origin. Interesting. Um. So yeah, so there's not, there's not a huge, huge amount more detail. The one thing I looked into was, um, you know, a big thing. Um, I used to watch this show called River Monsters. yes i knew that was coming yes where he would catch the (laughs) giant fish and all these weird places and -hmm. the one thing he would always do when he would go looking for some you know he'd hear these like stories of this like giant like water creature and would try to figure out what sort of like actual biological animal could be in that body of water that would be you know creating the legends the big thing he would always ask is like is it biologically possible for a large predator to be living in this lake based on the available food sources. So like what kind of fish are in there? What kind of biodiversity is there in this body of water that could support a large predator? So again, I am not a marine biologist, but um according to the state of Maine like sort of like website where they talk about it was like a um, almost like a fishing report where they were it was analyzing Pokemon Shine Lake. It is apparently a great fishing spot and there's like lots of fish ranging inside many between 10 and 12 inches long. So Hmm. not massive fish. But if there's yeah. enough fish, it could potentially and it, maybe if it goes between the two different lakes, Shine and Crawford Lake, it could potentially have food sources in both lakes. So interesting. Again, I don't know if a sixty foot long aquatic snake could live on ten to twelve inch fish. I mean, whales eat plankton, so
0: right. It's That's possible.
1: true. It's possible. So it's not like it's not like, like hmm. this is just some barren some barren lake that n- could support no life it actually, there's a possibility that there could be some large predator in this lake. Shit. So.
0: That's kind of awesome. That's the Pokemon I, lake monster. I had, like, really hoped... One of the main episodes that I did mentioned there being a lake near, like, uh, the church and the cemetery that I talked about. And I would, was hoping it was the same one, but it wasn't. Uh, which just shows how many main lake monsters that there are. I'm
1: pretty sure, like, every lake has a lake monster. Especially in the yeah.
0: game. Oh, yeah. I, I think that maybe... Because, like, I mentioned that we were doing this episode to a friend of mine and she lives in like a small town in a state in like the middle of the country. And she was like, Oh yeah, that's just like the lake monster near me. And the Wikipedia (laughs) was literally just like a paragraph. Like there was no info about this at all, but yeah, it was like, Oh shit. Like every fucking place has their lake monster or sea serpent or whatever that's nearby.
1: Yeah. It's just kind of (laughs) like part of living by the water. You see weird shit. Um we'll get into we'll get into some possible supernatural and/ or non-supernatural explanation explanations to this later, but I feel like there's a lot of similarities with a lot of lake monsters as well. So it either means it's a thing and it's a type of thing or there could you know potentially be some more mundane explanations, but we'll get into that we'll get into that later.
0: Yeah, we'll get into that. Um what do you got? Well, so I got Cassie okay. <laughs> Cassie is Cassie. short. No, I had not either. Actually, um, Cassie is short for the Casco Bay sea serpent. Um, oh wow! Reportedly, been sighted basically like from the 1750s on. Wow. Um, yeah. the The name. So the name actually came from. We've talked about him before, Lauren Coleman. Yep. Uh, he is a well known cryptozoologist and has the. Uh, International Cryptozoology Museum in Portland. Um, oh, Legendary. Gray, are you there? Yeah. Can you hear me?
1: Hello? Hello?
0: Oh, there you are. Hello? Hey, okay. Woo. Hey, cool. Woo. All right, I was going to make a note, like, when that happened-ish. Weird. Okay. Cool. Yeah, what happened there?
1: I haven't, n- nothing Nothing went wrong on my end. I could see you the whole time.
0: Oh, weird. Yeah. You just like, your picture froze, but I could see that the like little counter was still going. So I was like, okay, we like, like didn't hang up or anything. Oh, weird. And I couldn't hear you at all. It just went quiet for just 10 seconds or whatever. Huh. Okay. Mm. Cool. All right. Uh, okay. forget where I left off. Oh okay. yeah. Okay, so well-known cryptozoologist. He apparently has um, studied Cassie a little bit. So this is definitely something kind of up his alley. Of course. Of course. Um, the name is somewhat of an homage to Nessie, uh, the Loch Ness monster of Scotland, and also similar to Tessie, which is the uh, Lake Tahoe. Um, yeah sea monsters not sea monster lake monster right and bessie which is the one from lake erie so there's a lot Jeez. of sea monsters and lake monsters with similar names like this um so these creatures creature i don't know right has been reported lengths of 60 to 150 feet long Jeez, so insane
1: yeah that's nope awesome nope.
0: yeah i was gonna like lake poco moonshine monster was about 60 feet or up to 60 feet and that was already way too big and this is just starting at 60 feet i
1: guess i mean the ocean's a whole lot bigger of a place with a whole lot definitely don't don't have to worry about a food source in the ocean
0: yeah exactly uh they apparently swim very fast they can disappear in seconds also been described as being as thick as a barrel when you mentioned that i was was like oh that's just a common way to describe things back then apparently People, I
1: guess people interacted with barrels more often because I don't know that I would compare something to a barrel because I have seen, I mean, like, I guess like if you go to like a brewery, they use like barrels as tables.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I've seen some barrels. Would not be the first thing I thought of. Right. But barrel thick. uh, They come in a variety of colors, which I thought was a fun way to describe that. Uh, Dark green, mottled brown, uh, most commonly reported, weirdly said, black with huge black spots. And I was like, what? But, um, and then of course, this is a pretty common thing with various lake monsters and sea serpents. The neck has always been reported as sticking straight up out of the water. So interesting. I feel like pretty much anybody listening has probably at least seen pictures of the Loch Ness monster. You probably kind of know what we're talking about with that, where it you know presumably the creature is swimming horizontally. I guess you would say, and then they can kind of curve their neck and stick it straight up out of the water like you'd imagine like a you know like a submarine sticks its little thing up out of the water what's that thing called periscope (laughs) yes exactly so they're kind of just like poking it up and looking around like hey um so yeah the first i think first known sighting was 1751 um i had to look up a lot of these places on google maps because i don't really know the name of a lot of the bays in maine right um but 1751 spotted in Broad Bay, which is near Waldoboro, uh, about 60 miles northeast of Portland. Okay. And then future U.S. Navy hero Edward Preble in 1779 uh, apparently saw Cassie in Penobscot Bay. So that's 70 miles northeast of Portland. Okay. Um, at the time, he was like a young sailor. He, his account states that he once saw a strange serpent like creature in the bay during his time yeah, as a young sailor. He said it was roughly a hundred feet long and thick as a barrel. <laughs> his commander ordered him into a longboat, telling him to shoot the animal. But no. I guess when shots were fired, it swam off unharmed. So thankfully he didn't kill it. Yeah. Also sad. They just saw. a just trying to bake. big. Yeah. He's just trying to chill. Uh, June and July of 1818. Apparently several claimed to have seen a sea creature of some sort in Portland Bay, which didn't look up. I have to assume Portland Bay is maybe another name for Casco Bay. I don't even know. I I assume
1: Portland Bay is part of part of Casco Casco Bay. Bay. That's what I would bet.
0: Yeah. Okay. So maybe, yeah, people literally saw it from Portland. Um, 1836, the a schooner named Fox, Eo. Eo, my future son. S- your future son saw something slithering through the surf near Mount Desert Rock. Uh, that's a remote island about 25 nautical miles south of Bar Harbor, which is 170 miles northeast of Portland. Um, and this creature was holding its head out of the water. Then, August 1905, A 60-foot mottled brown monster with a snake-like head circled a sailboat for 10 minutes off Wood Island Light, which is near Biddeford. Wow. Um, That's only 18 miles southwest or so of Portland. Classic Biddeford. Um, Classic Biddeford. A major general and his sons were on board and said the creature lifted its head four feet above the surface of the water. Wow. Which is kind of crazy. It makes me feel like that creature was fairly close to their boat. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that is terrifying a little bit just not knowing what it is and what it's going to do
1: yeah especially if you're in like a rowboat that's not like a it's not a big boat
0: no so they're just kind of like cool um a steamer named bonita um there were passengers on board saw cassie again in casco bay august 1910 um so multiple people on board said that it was more like an 80 foot long creature with spots and then sightings in eastport again that Easternmost city in the U.S. That's two hundred and fifty miles northeast of Portland. It's way up there. Yeah. Um, in the late nineteen thirties and nineteen forty, and then um, the really only only other thing that I found that was more of a recent sighting potentially that was in the articles that I read was talking about a woman in Biddeford seeing something that seemed similar to Cassie off the coast of Biddeford uh, in two thousand two. Hmm. So, quite a few sightings. Really, not a ton. And just like any, basically any legend or cryptid in maine you're gonna find maybe a dozen articles if you're lucky and most of them are gonna be repeating the same thing like it's gonna be maybe two articles worth of information spread out over a dozen so at some point i literally just you know had googled cassie maine And like even Cassie cryptid Maine, Cassie sea serpent Maine. Right. And it was still at some point, like after a page and a half of results, it was just showing me like Facebook profiles of people (laughs) named Cassie Cassie and Maine. I was like, cool. So not a whole lot out there. Um, but again, veteran cryptozoologist and director of the International Cryptozoology Museum in Portland, Lauren Coleman has investigated Cassie for years, um, once again, if you're new here, cryptozoology is the study of undiscovered or unconfirmed animals. So, like this, Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, all that stuff. Um, so, Lauren says that despite the name, sea serpents would more likely be mammals rather than snake-like animals because of how they swim. Right. More like a whale rather than a side-to-side wriggling like a snake. Um, so, his interest has kind of been kept alive by a firsthand account that he heard in 1986. Um Quote, I was giving a talk at the Appalachian Mountain Club and a man came up and said, you should really talk to an old friend of mine. Um, end quote. That man was a then 81 year old fisherman. He recounted to Coleman a day in June of 1958 when he and his first mate were fishing off the coast of Cape Elizabeth, which is that's just like a little bit south of Portland. It's like 20 minutes south of us. Mm. Um, he told Coleman that they suddenly saw a large serpent creature colored like a flounder swing toward them. Quote, and he said, every time the foghorn would go off, the creature would turn its head oh so slightly and then it would go along. He was living it all over in front of me. End quote. So like Lauren Coleman was captivated by this guy because he Hmm. said the way the guy was telling the story was really like he was super excited and yeah, it really seemed like he was back in the moment again. Like this was a vivid memory for him. Right. Um, Hmm. This fisherman was a man. Crap, I do not know how to say this name. Ole, Ole Mickelson, <laughs> O-L-E, and his first mate was Ejmar Uh Mickelson said they initially thought it was a submarine coming toward their boat. See, I was wow, yeah, totally periscope. off of that. Periscope. The creature had a long neck and a broad head held up out of the water. It was brown with a lighter underbelly and had a forked tail like a mackerel, only it was horizontal like a whale's. Oh, um,
1: weird.
0: Yeah, they said it stopped maybe 125 feet from their boat Though they could see no eyes, they knew it was looking at them. That's freaky. kind of freaky. Um, and this went on for like 45 minutes, they could see this thing, and then eventually it swam around them in a half circle and continued on south. Hmm. Um, and yeah, with the foghorn thing, they said they described it as though when the creature would turn his head, it was like he could hear the foghorn and was kind of looking off towards where it was coming from.
1: So, so this guy was 81 or whatever when he talked to Lauren Coleman. Yeah. And did he say, wait, did he say what year this was?
0: Yeah, this was, so when you talked to Lauren, he was, yeah, 81 in 86. And this happened in 58. So that was like roughly 30 years previous. So he was 50.
1: I was actually just thinking before you said that, before you said the thing about the foghorn, that maybe the reason that there haven't been so many sightings more recently is because um like noise pollution in mm. Casco Bay has increased. And so it's gone either to a different bay or maybe it's just gone out to sea where where it's a little bit quieter
0: yeah that's one of one of the theories ultimately about why they haven't been seen because yeah it's really that woman in 2002 um but not really a whole lot since then at least it's been documented and yeah it's thought that maybe just there's so many boats there's so much going on in the harbor right that yeah they're a little bit spooked off um so yeah, Lauren Coleman wrote the first article published about Cassie in Portland Monthly in May, 1986. Um, and he interviewed Maine residents who saw Cassie as late as the 1950s. Um, but yeah, few sightings have been reported in recent years, probably because Cassie got scared away. Um, but I wanted to give a couple shout outs in relation, um, the international cryptozoology museum, had posted a little while ago about having a this really beautiful ceramic version of Cassie on display at the museum last year. Right. It was like this beautiful white ceramic Cassie with these like metallic gold spikes all along its body. Hmm. Uh, created by an artist named Emily Diaz Norton who's based here in Portland. Um, she has some other awesome things on her Instagram which is M Diaz Norton, E-M-D-I-A-Z Norton. Um, and she has an Etsy shop, Emily D Norton Ceramics she just got some cool shit. She's got like a mug that she made for somebody that has like the alien from alien bursting out of the side of it. And that's like the handle is the alien, nice. which is super cool. And she's got like these pop tart tree ornaments and like cheese, it gold cheese, it earrings. Nice. Yeah, she seems like somebody we would be friends with. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I was sad to see that it was no longer at the museum because I was like, Oh man, depending on how much that cost, I like want that thing. Um, but speaking of the museum, they are currently closed indefinitely because of the pandemic. They yes. are not a business that can... They don't have anything curbside. They don't have any delivery options. Right. So they're just closed down. Um, Lauren Coleman posted on the website that they are basically relying on just hopefully getting some loans and grants right now, but they are not really sure what's going to happen. Damn. So they're relying on potentially purchases from their crypto store. Um So go check it out. If you go to their website, you can click. There's a link right on the front page for their crypto store. Uh, They have a ton of cool stuff. They have, like, a whole bunch of Bigfoot stuff, like air fresheners and keychains. Um, They have something called a crypto tube, like, spelled T-O-O-B. That's, like, a tube of plastic cryptids. Nice. Um, A ton of books, including a bunch of Lauren's books. Um, This really cool Monsters in America, like, map poster that describes a bunch of cool cryptids in america um and a lot of these cool illustration prints by an artist named carrie wagner and you can also just select a amount to donate to the museum so if you're into cool cryptid stuff and especially if you live in maine or even if you don't go donate and help lauren coleman because it would be a fucking shame if they had to close lauren coleman is a legend he is a legend and he deserves to have his museum stay open because it is a staple yes so just fyi and shout out to lauren because you're awesome Shouts
1: out.
0: Yeah. So, that is all I got for Cassie. Interesting. So, So, now we got theories.
1: Yeah. I mean, so theory number one, it's all real. Mm. There is a 60-foot long, like, snake eel thing in Lake Pokemoonshine. And there's a 60 to 100-foot long, forked-tailed mammalian... Cryptid swimming along in Casco Bay. That's yeah. I would I have to say I would believe more in Cassie than I would in the Pokemon Lake monster. Because Why is that? the ocean is a vast and terrifying place filled with things mm. that I believe have not yet been discovered.
0: True. So, Very true.
1: Whereas a lake, I feel like um so I forgot to mention this, but Pokemon moonshine Lake at its deepest is forty feet.
0: Oh wow!
1: But its average is like around twenty feet. Hmm. Okay. So not yeah. super deep. So if you had something no. that was sixty feet long in a forty foot deep lake, I feel like you would notice more often. Right. I mean that what could be true is that maybe its size is a little bit exaggerated. Maybe it's only thirty feet. You know. Yeah. That could that could, that's still fucking horrifying. Yeah. It's still huge. Scary, but not as massive. Whereas yeah. a hundred foot long serpent in Casco Bay, if you look at Casco Bay, it's friggin'
0: huge. Oh yeah. And this thing has been spotted in various bays. Right. So we come down to the problem that we mm-hmm. have with Bigfoot where it's like, do we possibly believe there's only one of these creatures, which seems way less wow. likely? Or do we believe that there are multiples? Right. Um, you know, all related, the same species that are around. Yes. Does like seem family. more likely yeah, like a family, a pod. Yeah. Oh. So I don't know. And so one of the main theories about various sea cryptids um is that they are plesiosaurs. Yes. That have somehow survived since this is like the early part of the Jurassic period, so 66 to 200 million years ago. Um I can't even process how like how long of a timeline that is. Exactly. This is not like, oh, we think these went extinct even like a thousand years ago, which already seems impossible to imagine. But right. the fact that there are things that existed millions of years ago right is hmm. batshit crazy. um And so plesiosaurs, they're aquatic. Uh, they're predatory reptiles that l- kind of... They live during the same time period as dinosaurs and are kind of thought of as dinosaurs, but they were not dinosaurs. um Paddle-shaped appendages instead of legs... And there were a bunch of species of plesiosaurs that came in various shapes, (laughs) just like (laughs) Cassie comes in a variety of colors, right? Um, including some that are more elongated, like serpentine forms. Serpentine. And the classic plesiosaur can be described as having a turtle-shaped body without a shell with a dinosaur's long neck and tail. But apparently some cryptozoologists have kind of discredited this theory in more recent years because... Uh, sea serpent and lake monster reports often contain features that indicate mammals rather than reptiles. Um, hmm. Apparently a thing that I did not know, cause I don't know a ton about water cryptids is that a lot of sightings in various places involve the creature having some form of hair, which huh. is fucking hilarious That's for wild. some reason. Really? I'm like, don't think I've ever heard that, which maybe just goes to show how little I have researched this topic. Right. Um, but they also usually talk about, like, the vertical spinal undulations, as you, you <laughs> nicely called, to doing the worm. Yeah, the doing water. the worm. <laughs> um, and uh, living in cold water. So something like a oh, snake. Right. You know, we think of snakes. I mean, there are some snakes that live in colder climates, obviously. But the cold water habitat kind of points more to a mammal. Hmm. Um, yeah,
1: I, the plesiosaur thing is, I think, just a...
0: It's a convenient
1: way to explain it, but it's interesting to think about that in terms of like the biological reality of what it would take for a plesiosaur to still be alive.
0: And well, right, and yeah,
1: I guess you could say that maybe it has adapted over time mm-hmm. and sort of like evolved into something that can survive in cold water. And but I just feel like some of that, like the you know the swimming, swimming vertically as opposed to like the horizontal undulations. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like that would like I don't think that would change evolutionarily like I don't think that there's a huge advantage towards vertical undulations towards horizontal ones it would just be a matter of sort of whatever that species was used to doing you know whichever sort of way it it first started doing that I don't see why there would be a reason for that to change and that right. seems to be a yeah. pretty big
0: part. Yeah it does yeah it seems to be a big thing like you said with the sort of a lot of sightings and I think it is the classic to me the classic picture that comes to my mind of a sea serpent or a lake monster or whatever is that like you mentioned like the humps coming up out of the water right which again indicates that sort of vertical swimming which is just weird anyways to think about like just that they're i don't know the way they're moving through the water just seems like it'd be kind of cool right but so yeah a lot of cryptozoologists kind of lean more towards rather than the plesiosaur they uh, lean towards uh, zeuglodons. Ooh. So these are primitive whales that looked very similar to sea serpents. Um, so this had an interesting story. So, the yeah, the original name is uh, Basilosaurus, which means king of reptiles. So, okay. interesting story behind that. Um, so, I found some good info from a site called unmuseum.org, U n Museum.org. Um, the Museum of Unnatural Mystery. Isn't nice. that awesome? That's good. Yeah. Um, so topics like cryptozoology, UFOs, dinosaurs, um, something called surprising science. And <laughs> <laughs> it was actually like a pretty sweet website. It's the brainchild of a guy named Lee uh Kristeck? Kristeck? Crycheck? Crycheck. yeah. We fucking see you, Crycheck. Not hiding from us. He wanted a museum to, quote, explore the fringe edges of science, um, and he wanted to kind of use those subjects to get people more interested in the more mundane aspects of scientific work. So he wasn't able to do a brick-and-mortar museum because it was just out of his means, so he turned to the internet, as most of us do. Right. Um, This website, I gotta tell you, looks straight out of the 90s it is he's trying intense he's trying it's really nice i mean maybe i don't know it didn't say when it was started so maybe it was started in the 90s or early 2000s but it is intense but there was a ton of really good information about zoogle on there um so they lived 37 to 53 million years ago still batshit crazy right um which again it seems crazy that they could possibly exist today but The, uh, I don't know how to say it, but the Coelacanth, Coelacanth. Oh yeah. Fuck. I know exactly what
1: you're talking about, but I I, I always say Coelacanth in my head. Coelacanth.
0: Yeah. That's, yeah, that's pretty much. So our big issue, me and Gray both, I think have the same problem with, there's so many words and names that you see that you have an idea of what it sounds like in your head, but sometimes we just forget to look up how it's actually pronounced before we do an episode. And then you have that moment of like, oh shit. (laughs) I I don't I say, really this so say this so wrong like yeah I
1: forget there was some book I read and the the name was Jeff but it was G E O F F so mm. I, so I said G off for a long time yeah. in yep. my head and then I said it one time and it was like nope it's it's Jeff
0: <laughs> it's Jeff yeah shit yeah I feel like we probably do it a lot probably like once an episode yeah. we have something where I'm just like oh uh, crap. So, but anyways, Mm -hmm. Coelacanth, a primitive fish that was thought to be extinct for over 60 million years. Right. That showed up off the coast of South Africa in
1: 1938.
0: Just chilling. Um, Just chilling. So it's possible. Um, So the story goes, 1832, a box arrived at the American Philosophical Society in Philadelphia, containing a lump of rock and a letter from a Judge Bry of Louisiana. Um, That lump was the fossil of what Bry believed was a sea monster. So it was given to a Dr. Richard Harlan, who was both a surgeon and a paleontologist, which is just like, what were people Man, in the 1830s doing? You could just be everything. <laughs> you could just be anything. That just seems like you'd be, uh, maybe a paleontologist was like his side gig. I don't know.
1: Right. I mean, like back then, you didn't really have to learn that much to do surgery. So you just, you know, you're just, <laughs> right. you're just cutting into stuff and like, oh, that, that That doesn't look right. And just slicing <laughs> off limbs, sewing stuff
0: up. You're yeah, drunk. Yeah, we don't really know. <laughs> and everybody's just drunk. Just give them heroin
1: for, the, like, after they, like, get out of the surgery room. You're good. You're Yeah, you're uh, good. Congratulations, you're a doctor.
0: Dude, I wish there was more that was unknowable about kind of, like, the old-time periods of medical <laughs> research and discovery. Right. Because, man, there are some stories. Yeah. Um, yeah, fascinating stuff. Look it up. But, so, yeah, he's doing surgery and paleontology. But he was given this fucking fossil to examine he thought it might have come from a sea lizard of some kind um there were more bones from the same type of creature that arrived from alabama including a jaw and the jaw was hollow so he thought this supported his reptile theory so he christened the Basilosaurus, which means king of reptiles <laughs> um then seven years later, 1839, he travels to London and the great English anatomist Richard Owen, who apparently coined the term dinosaur a few years later, Shit. yeah, got a hold of Harlan's fossils and examined them. He noted that the hollow jaw was not just characteristic of reptiles, but found on the sperm whale as well. Okay. He also discovered that the shape of the spinal cord channel in the vertebrae was like that of a whale's. Uh, and then he split. <laughs> I know, right I, I was like yeah like that was a real epiphany for me Um, and then he split open some of the teeth and showed that they were more like a marine mammal than that of a marine lizard so like the story says harlan had to agree and i'm just imagining him being like shucks (laughs) yeah yes damn it (laughs) damn it um so they had to agree that the Basilosaurus was reclassified as a primitive form of whale so hence didn't change the, the, the name, he's like nope. no okay I'll, I'll agree it's a mammal but I'm not changing the name I think so one of the things that I read did say that uh, once something has been like named as far as that goes the only the person who named it can change it so I was just like I wondered I didn't look into what? it And I'm like was he just stubborn and he was like no That's <laughs> no it's still king of the reptiles
1: such a bad like naming convention oh of course yeah. the person who first named it isn't going to change it because they right. thought it was a cool name the first time. So they're not going like... And to like... And it was.
0: He yeah. picked a good name. King of Reptiles is yeah. a cool name. That's but cool. yeah, then he was just like, no. So I don't know the story uh, behind that. That could be totally wrong. But it was just like a funny side thing for me just thinking that he was like, fuck no. Interesting. So just what is it? a lot of time on that. What name. is it?
1: So it's like it's serpent shaped or whatever?
0: Yeah. So um, yeah, the Zoologaladons look a lot like the descriptions of... Various lake monsters and sea serpents So yeah it's a primitive whale That did have like a much more of like a serpent Look to it Um, And so the speculation is that Since It could inhabit cold bodies of water that The zoogledon is not Dead but it is inhabiting these Bodies of water like Loch Ness and Lake Champlain and Casco Bay and all kinds of places so Mm. Maybe there's just a bunch of zoogledons All over the world Maybe they live like a, like, like
1: catfish where they like kind of dig into holes, like hide in the holes and then they like just pop out Mm -hmm. to go hunting or whatever. Interesting.
0: Yeah. So that to me, and I, I didn't know, I knew the name of that fish. I did not know. I mean, the name to me seemed like a very prehistoric name, but I had never really looked into that to see that that, I mean, it's amazing that there is, like you said, the ocean is a vast and scary place. Yep. So the fact that like we are still discovering species that live in the ocean, there are things found all the time where it's like, oh shit, didn't know that was a thing.
1: Right. So, and so like when you when you read about like the Mariana Trench and like, you know, it's deeper than Mount Everest is tall, like <laughs> there's some there's so much just like space for things to live that mm-hmm. I mean, so I guess the thing though is this Zooglodon, I assume, mm-hmm. would breathe air, correct? Much like whales. Because like whales surface with their with a the blowhole to like breathe air. Right. So they have to come up to the surface, whereas like a fish can live its whole life underwater. I feel like something that's purely aquatic that stays under the surface of the water is far easier to hide for a long period of time than something that has to come up periodically to breathe would be.
0: That's true. I'm now Googling how whales breathe.
1: I think I think that they breathe. I don't think that they have. They don't have gills. Same with That's dolphins. True. Right,
0: Sharks have gills. Breathe. Yeah, whales and dolphins are mammals and breathe air into their lungs just like we do. They right. cannot breathe underwater like fish can, as they do not have gills. This like Google just told me exactly what you did. <laughs> I am. They Google. breathe through nostrils called a blowhole located around the top of their heads. Boom. Shit. Okay, called it. Should not ever question you. Um. Yeah, so you'd think, so then I guess the question would be, is it possible, like we were kind of mentioning with Cassie in particular, that did, I just keep wanting to call Cassie a girl. I just keep wanting to assume that there's just one Cassie and it's just a female zoogledon just chilling out there when, again, in reality, there's probably a bunch of Cassies. But maybe if we're talking about noise pollution and there's a shit ton of boats out there, people are out fishing and lobstering and doing all kinds of stuff that maybe the cassies of our area decided to go further out into the ocean is it possible that they are out there far enough that they're not really seen by people i mean maybe like once in a great great while somebody would see one but like a cargo ship or whatever yeah like maybe there's just not enough people out there kind of the boats that are out there somebody's maybe not like just chilling looking around they're kind of whatever so they're just not noticing right. That something like that is popping its head out? I don't know.
1: And I mean, like, you know, like the kind of like dark humps coming out of the water does look a lot like waves in the water. So maybe yeah. it's like a natural kind of camouflage that has allowed them to survive longer than other other dinosaurs.
0: Oh, here's the thing I could Google How often do whales need to breathe? <laughs>
1: hey, I think it's like a long, like a long fucking time, like three hours. I, right, I want to like, say okay. three hours.
0: Let's see. Let's see. How often do humpback whales breathe? Um, it says, on average, they surface every 7 to 15 minutes, but can oh, remain psh. submerged for up to 45 minutes. And like the calves have to rise the surface every 3 to 5 minutes.
1: Oh, they got little lungs.
0: Well, this says a sperm whale, yeah, can spend around 90 minutes hunting underwater. So, hmm. yeah, you are figuring, even if it was every 90 minutes, that still is pretty frequently. If right. there's a bunch of them, although we don't know how many there are. Maybe there's only like a dozen. Right, right. You know, like it doesn't necessarily mean that there's as many a dozen. zoogladons out there as there are whales. Right. A
1: dozen in the vastness of the ocean is st- like, you still got a ton of ocean between, you know, each zoogladon.
0: Exactly. So it does It does seem odd. So the thing that I would wonder with the zoogladons is that I would think, so the ocean, at least like in particular oceans. That there could be some but like how did Zugledons end up in a lake of all places? Like- so I've,
1: so for example Loch Ness I've heard it's salt water and I've heard that it's possible that there's some sort of underwater cave linking the ocean to Loch Ness. Oh interesting. So it could potentially kind of go in there to like sleep. It's like a you know quieter calmer body of water and that's kind of where it like lives or spends its time or maybe like lays its Eggs? No gives birth. (laughs) They don't lay eggs. Oh, Um, yeah. Okay. You know, so you were
0: kind of thinking like snake a little bit.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, you figure back when Earth was covered in way more water than it is now and the oceans were much higher, um, potentially as the water recedes, they could get it could have gotten trapped in a large body of water, like a Mm -hmm. lake, especially like a big lake, like Lake Champlain, for example, is huge. Hmm. Um, Yeah. Or, you know, potentially if you have a big enough river. I know that there's like dolphins that will go up rivers, like from the ocean, they'll go up into rivers to hunt. Hmm. So, or like even salmon, they live their lives out in the ocean and they come back up freshwater rivers to like lay their eggs. So it's potential that it could follow rivers up to their source, which is, could be major rivers or they got trapped, you know, a million years ago. Yeah. I guess we need to look into the geology of when did the waters recede and create these
0: lakes. Although some of these yeah. lakes are from melting glaciers. Hmm. Hmm. See, this is like, ends up being the problem with some of these topics is that there's like so many sub yes. things to study. Like we talked about this a lot with the, um, the mud flood episode. Yeah. Oh my Not God. to like stir up all you flat earth freaks again, but oh my God. still <laughs> the mud flood. was Still <laughs> a popular, the most,
1: one of the most popular episodes
0: yeah it's really disappointing <laughs> i was like not fucking love the mud flood <laughs> the mud flood damn it and like i'm so bummed that we did not realize like the huge connection between all kinds of sketchy things before it was too late but yeah. um yeah so not to stir up all you weirdos again but that was kind of one of those same episodes where it was like how do we possibly do this topic full justice without like fully learning how buildings were constructed and right. like what different cities did differently and it was just like such a deep oh, yeah. thing that it's like we could have spent so much longer learning so much more and this is one of those two but like when I, once i started getting into like the names of the different eras of time like back in the prehistoric yeah. times i was like oh shit i'm like way out of my depths right now
1: <laughs> i've gone too far
0: i've gone way too far because i'm just like i'm i was literally like nodding as i read something i was like oh yeah like the the eocene Yeah, Yeah, I know that. Right. I know when that was like, oh, well, yeah, like it happened in that era. So it definitely couldn't have been this because, yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, I have no. I remember learning about that stuff in school and I was like, no, no, just there's just some things your brain doesn't even try. Yeah. Would not soak it up at all. It was just like, nope, just came in, bounced off my brain and like went right back out. So, yeah, we're not experts on how lakes are formed or all that stuff, but. It's it's interesting still to think that there could be a species of anything that we thought was extinct millions of years ago and is actually just like oh hey we're just chilling here. Right. Well, here's
1: a here's an interesting sort of like end to all of this. Like so now that with the coronavirus pandemic, I've read about how the oceans are like eerily quiet. Now that hmm. there's not as much shipping going on, there's not as many people. Like all the fishing vessels are grounded. Um, The oceans are, like, the quietest they've been since, like, um, you know, pre-industrialization. So, maybe with these quiet oceans and these quiet ports and quiet quiet harbors, Cassie will be coming back to Casco Bay. Because now it's, like, the right time.
0: Dude, I wonder if, like, a bunch... Because we've had this conversation before with various cryptids that maybe... Because you always... Any of the cryptids that exist, they... Whenever the sightings started, it's like not even just, I mean, sometimes there's like a big, you know, flap of sightings in a short period of time. But ultimately, there's always way more sightings back, you know, 1700s, 1800s, 1900s, like early, right. early, you know, at least 100 years ago. And then there's usually not too many recently. And we're always kind of wondering, like, why is that? And the common thing to go to is just that things have been so industrialized and... So many more houses being built, so many more people existing and transportation, cars, like airplanes, just noise, not to mention pollution and who knows what else. Right. So, exactly. The thought is that, you know, these things did, I mean, either, like you said, people were just wasted back then and they had like <laughs> nothing else to distract them and they were just like, shit.
1: Cocaine. I saw and some
0: weird creature in a lake. Yeah. And somebody else is like, oh shit, I saw like some hooved thing in the woods and they're all like, sweet. <laughs> but. Maybe those things actually did, you know, just like there are species of animals that we know of that become extinct or um, become endangered and there's very few of them like that could happen with cryptids too. And if they were species that weren't necessarily discovered and weren't super prevalent before and then now they've gone more into hiding or maybe some of them have died off. Maybe they some of them are actually extinct. I mean, we've never really talked about the fact that there could be species of cryptids that are extinct now. Right. Which is crazy. Oh, man. That's really sad. But um, <laughs> this is the first time I've drank an alcoholic beverage during a recording, and it's made me more emotional than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> like, feeling really sad, thinking that there, like, was a whole species of, like, well, Jersey Devil is a terrible example, because we don't really believe in yeah. that. But there's, like, the a whole species example. of, yeah, the worst. <laughs> but there's like, a whole bunch of these sea creatures at one point, and now they're extinct because we killed them off.
1: They would not be the first species that humans wiped off the face of this earth. No, they wouldn't. Nor will they be the last.
0: And you can't even comfort yourself with like, oh, well, if we knew they existed, we wouldn't have killed them because that doesn't apply to anybody else. In fact, we probably
1: would have killed them faster. We would have killed them faster.
0: So, yeah, it's possible that maybe we'll see a resurgence in various types of odd creatures because, yeah, everything, you know, we... A lot of the pollution has gone down drastically, and people are just aren't yep. out and about. You know, factories aren't operating like they were, so maybe we'll see more of these things popping up, which would be an awesome side effect. Oh yeah, I hope so. Hmm. so it's the little Gotta
1: things. Got to look forward to.
0: Yeah. So, do you have any any like supernatural theories for these two things, or you think it's just hmm. purely honestly with-
1: either? I, I, I always take a scientific, like, I just feel like they're not, there's no, I guess you could maybe take the interdimensional theory of, like, Bigfoot. Mm. That maybe they're sort of, you know, crossing into parallel universes, like our universe, for short periods of time to be seen and then crossing back into their home universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, to me, it just seem they don't seem supernatural. Like, I guess the only supernatural part of them would be that they're, unknown to science mm-hmm. but like they seem very biological. They don't like you know shoot laser beams out of their eyes or have any sort of like weird supernatural abilities that I've seen. They're just big ass mammals or like w- serpents like swimming around in the ocean and then they just kind of like circle around and then they'll s- like swim off. You know it's not like yeah, no. they don't seem particularly supernatural to me. They seem like in undescribed species new to science. Mm. And maybe the supernaturalness is merely how they're able to dip into our reality and then dip back out, probably without their own knowledge, which which could also explain why they seem so curious of, like, ships and stuff.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: Maybe maybe their universe isn't even populated by, like, maybe they come from a universe where the Earth is covered in 100% water. Hmm. And so there's no humans in boats on the surface. And So they come up and they're like, what the fuck is this? And they're like checking yeah. it out.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. Never thought about that. Yeah, because they do always seem very curious. They're yeah. always poking their head up, looking around. But not which... like,
1: like like sharks are curious and they'll like take like little bites and little nibbles of things because it wants to see if you're food. So it like
0: mm.
1: it like, it's curious, but it like tastes, it's like with its mouth, like how dogs experience the world like through their mouths usually by like tasting things and biting things yeah they just seem to be curious and they almost like they're like visual
0: yeah which
1: I feel like it's weird I don't think which I'm, is like, weird
0: well it's kind of like again going back to Bigfoot it's like if we're assuming you know these creatures do seem similar to me to Bigfoot in the sense that it seems like again there has to be multiples of them potentially even families and they clearly don't want to be discovered. They don't want to be near people, not in a way that they're going to like hurt you, or even that they're necessarily like scared of you. But just, they just don't seem to have an interest. And but yeah, that curiosity when they do pop up feels different because I feel like Bigfoot. Typically, when a, a Bigfoot is seen, they are like evading being seen, and they're like, "Oh shit!" like running away. Right. But these creatures always seem to have some stories like, again, like circling a boat or popping their head up to look like turning the head to hear the fog horn or whatever. Like they do seem very curious, which yeah, would maybe point more to, I mean, either they just barely ever find themselves around other people or if they are dipping into our dimension that they're kind of like, Oh cool. Like, Hmm. but it doesn't feel like a creature to me. That's like, I don't know, trying to get away in the same way that Bigfoot is where Bigfoot's just like always just like a blur. Right running away from people like these are kind of just like they see people and they're like, Oh, Hey, what are you up to? Like, I'm going to watch you for a little bit and then just swim off on their own. Like they're content to just be in their own world.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, this is a, this is a topic. I definitely, I believe that there's some weird undiscovered something in the ocean, whether that's a giant sea serpent or whether that's, I don't know. There's got to be, there's something out there. The truth is out there.
0: Yeah. I, I agree. I fully, I have always, for some reason, this is one of the few cryptids that I've always wanted to see. And maybe because there's something about it being in the ocean or being in the water that just to me feels safer. Like, right. Not that I wouldn't want to see a Bigfoot, but to me, not that Bigfoot has any history of like hurting people, but it feels a little scarier to think that that creature would be like on the same land as you. But seeing like the Loch Ness monster or something out in the distance in the water has always been appealing to me just because it's like, it would be freaky, but at least it would be far enough out that you know, it's not going to do anything to you. It's just like going to pop up and poke its head up like a little periscope and then be gone. And you can just be like, have this cool story. So I've always wanted to see one.
1: I agree. Of all the things that we've talked about, honestly, like (laughs) this is one of the things that I would like to see in real life. And also I think the aspect of it that doesn't freak me out as much is that it doesn't, Again, because it seems so sort of like a biological animal, it's just sort of like if you don't bother it, it's not going to bother you. Or it's not going to like chase you down. It doesn't have like an agenda. It's just trying to eat and live. And if you don't interrupt either of those two things, then you're going to be just fine.
0: Yeah. Come away with a
1: cool story to tell Lauren Coleman. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Lauren, if you are ever listening, Lauren Coleman follows us on Instagram now. No big deal. I'm just going to say that. It's not a big deal. I may have messaged him, told him that we're a big fan. Hmm. Didn't message you back, but it's okay. It's okay, Lauren. You're a busy guy. Exactly. I get it. But we are big fans. So, you know, if you ever want to do an episode with us, you're always welcome.
1: That'd be awesome.
0: It would be awesome. I would be quite intimidated. Yes. I think he knows way more than we do. He's, like, actually gone and researched and, like, looked for cryptids out in the world versus us just... You know, doing research for a week, so I feel like I'd be very, very intimidated to talk with him, even if it was just like virtually. I feel like, but he'd have some cool shit to say. Exactly, it would be awesome. Be worth it. Yeah. So, yeah, our very first water cryptid episode, very first joint main episode. Boom. That was good. That was enjoyable. Yeah. It was enjoyable. That's I liked a wild it. Story. Yeah. So. Definitely, if you're listening, let us know what you think. Uh, If you live in Maine, have you seen any Maine uh, water monsters? If you don't live in Maine, have you seen anything local to you? Do you think these exist? Do you think it's just crap? Do you think people are just seeing what they want to see or just seeing things like, I don't even know, whales, dolphins, seals, and imagining things? I don't know. What do you think? Let us know. Find us on Instagram. find us on patreon find us on facebook feel free to message us on instagram you know it's just the two of us so we're gonna message you back definitely definitely uh yeah hit up uh check out loudmouth threads on instagram he is an awesome artist and he has all kinds of super cool like things like sweatshirts and mugs and stuff like that for sale but he did a badass illustration for us yes Um, and so he has hooded sweatshirts like pullover sweatshirts he's got mugs and he's got t-shirts with the badass logo that he made for us so go check it out and buy one yeah a knowable merch yeah I still have to get you yours yeah I know it's been like weeks I'm excited yeah we (laughs) haven't actually seen each other in person in weeks so Right. been a while but yeah so let us know what you think and uh if you have any ideas for other episodes let us know or tell us what you think about sea monsters and lake monsters sea serpents whatever yeah tell us your thoughts yeah shouts out shouts out all right well that has been unknowable Unknowable. love you